Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. sitting here today would say, honestly, there's been a time in your life to where you have either done something or said something that your parents said or did that you said you'd never do. How many of you ever said something? Oh yeah, there we go, right? So like, mirror, mirror on the wall, I am my father after all, right? (laughs) And so we, we have somehow caught those things. We didn't, we didn't, those habits, we did, were not intentional about saying, you know, I'm going to say these things. Like my dad always, we'd pull up to a, to a traffic light and the light wouldn't change fast enough. My dad said, anybody got a quarter? And, I, and we'd all like, no. He said, well, I was going to go put a quarter in the pole so the light would change. And so when my kids were coming up, I found myself sitting at a traffic light saying, anybody got a quarter? <laughs> my son called me about a, about a year ago. And he said, dad, I want to tell you something has happened to me. I said, what? So I was sitting in a traffic light with some of my friends. I said, anybody got a quarter? <laughs> He's like, ugh. And so what I want to say is those habits are caught more than taught. Would you agree with that? And so here's, here's the principle of that, is that the trajectory of your life is going to be determined by the people around you. And no matter what season you are, this is something that we like to tell teenagers and preteens, but I'm sharing this with you because it never changes. The trajectory of your life from this point on is going to be determined mostly by the people around you. They're going to make you or break you. And so uh, I have this statement I want you to remember. I hope you remember the rest of your life because it's going to, again, set the trajectory of your life. And so let's, it's coming up on the screen. Let's just say it together. You ready? Here we go. Let's say it. It's coming up. Here we go. When I know who I want to be, I will know who to seek because good people you have to seek out. It's amazing how bad people just show up in your life, isn't it? I mean, it just happened like a toothache. All of a sudden, there they are. And there's no Advil that will get rid of them. But the good people you have to seek out. You have to make an effort to do that. And so today I want to talk to you about how to reinforce the changes that you want to make and that I want to make. And so I want to give you three things today that I think are very powerful that will help you. And if you apply this, and I pray to God that you will, then the change that you desire is on its way. Amen, everybody? So the first one, if you write this down, is this. is number one is seek the right close friends. Seek the right close friends. Look what the scripture says. Again, this is not Jeff. This is God. And look what he says. Become wise by what? By walking with the wise. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life what? Amen? Amen. Anybody done some dumb stuff because you were around the wrong people? Anybody besides me? Yes, we have. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. Dumb and dumber is what I've been before. (laughs) What I want you to know is that the people that you hang with are more important 
as far as the direction you want to go, they'll be more important than your education. They'll be, they'll be more important than your family background. They'll be more important than your personality. The people that you hang with are going to set the course for your life. It's just the way that it happens. It's so just the way that it happens. Now, what I've discovered is this, is that you cannot hang around with, uh, you cannot hang around with uh, underachievers and expect to be an, an overachiever. So if your closest friends are underachiever, guess what? You're going to be an underachiever. Matter of fact, if they're always riding the struggle bus, then it'll stop and you'll get on. All right, just a thought there. (laughs) This is true no matter what. You can take this in your finances, in sports, in any area of your life, in marriage. You will be the average of the five people that you hang around. The closest people to you will be the average of them, no matter what it is you want to do. And so what I like to tell you is that, you know, behaviors, again, are caught. I, when I was in middle school, um, my mom and stepfather, we lived in a rural community called Monroe, Georgia, about an hour from here, and it was very rural, especially back then. They received an opportunity to work at a, their company was transferring them to Massachusetts. And so we moved there when I was in the seventh grade. I'm talking about country going city. I mean, you know, like right now, I, I talk, you know, still southern. But back then, it was really, really southern coming out of that rural environment. When I would, went to, I remember going to school, and after uh, a day or so, people realized that I was not from there. I would be walking down the hallways, you know, and, and, and you know, like the lockers are on each side of you. And I would be walking down the hallways, and they would come and tap me on the shoulder and stop me. And they would gather around me. I had an audience. And I didn't know if I was about to be beat up or what. I had no clue what was about to happen. And they said, talk. (laughs) And I would begin to talk, and and they would just laugh. They had never heard anybody from the South, the rural South. And that, that was me. But you know what happened? After about three months, they didn't stop me anymore. You know why? Because I caught their accent. I remember my dad would call me, uh, call me and, and, and he was talking to me, and I would say, yeah, Dad, today we parked the car. He's like, son, what is wrong with you? But I called their accent. It's because I hung around them that I caught it. And God gives us a warning. I mean, it's like warning, warning, warning. Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Would you read this uh, warning that's underlined right there? Let's read it out loud. You ready? Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Because many, the reason he said that, because many people say, well, I'm stronger than this. Look, he says, don't be fooled. Bad friends will what? They will ruin good habits. And when you ruin good habits, you ruin your life. And so don't be fooled. It's impossible. It's impossible to have the right life with the wrong close friends. I don't care if you're 18 or you're 80. It's impossible to have the, have the right life with the wrong friends. It's just impossible. They will always take you on the journey with them. Because what we've understood is more is caught than taught, right? You catch it. You catch that person's attitude, that spirit. Listen, you just change jobs, and, and it won't be long that the things that you say, you will say they will be different than what you say now. 
You know, it's, it's amazing with our students in school. Uh, they can get a new friend, and you know when they got a new friend because their, their vocabulary changes all of a sudden. You know, sling words we never heard before. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? They start giving all these letters out, and I'm like, what are you? I don't, you're trying to spell something? I don't know, you know? Okay. Yeah. I'm behind time, I can tell. So this is what I would like to ask you this question. Based on who you want to be, what relationships are you going to pursue? Who do you need to pursue? Again, to get better, you've got to seek the right people. That means they're not coming to you. You're waiting to say, well, nobody ever, you know, they won't ever talk to me, blah, blah, blah. Let me just tell you, stop saying that. Just go pursue them. You know how you do this? You just keep showing up. I've told you many times before that a mentor of mine right now is Pastor Benny Tate, the pastor of Rock Springs Church down in Milner, Georgia. He pastors a large church. He knows a lot of things that I don't know, and I've got to get better. Listen, I, when I started pastoring, I realized that someone told me a long time ago, if you're going to be a leader, you've got to be a reader. So I became a reader. And then, uh, you know, I've disciplined myself. But that's all that I know. I've got to know more than I know. And so I don't have time to learn it all. I'm just going to learn from somebody else. So, so I pestered him until I got a meeting. I didn't, you know, I get to talk to him, but I called his office until they answered. I would, you know, you keep calling and keep calling, and finally somebody answers. And, and when I asked to meet with them, they were very kind and gave me that meeting because I wouldn't shut up. And so they gave, the first meeting was like 30 minutes. That's all I had, 30 minutes. And so after that meeting, I said, before I left, I said, can I schedule another one? And, you know, I don't know if he was just too kind to say no to start with or what. But anyways, I got another meeting. And then I got another meeting. And then I decided, you know what? He has to travel a lot. I can drive. And so I asked his assistant, I said, you know, can I drive him to one of his meetings? And so sure enough, we did. And let me just tell you something. I got him there on time. We got there ahead of time. It was great. But on the way back, we went my pace. I took the long way home. Why? Because more is caught than taught. I want him to talk to me. I want to get, I want to get better. And in order for our church to get better, I've got to get better. You know, I have to get better. And so I was like, God, teach me. Show me. And it's amazing how that when I got around someone of that caliber, I've gotten better. You have to seek them. Are you tracking what I'm saying? Don't wait for them to come knocking on your door. You go knocking on their door. Get better. Whatever area. Your marriage get better. Look at somebody that's got a successful marriage. Quit asking people that's been through 10 divorces about marital advice. Mm -hmm. That man's getting anointed. That's what you call that. A stupid one. I don't know, but anyways. So on your, on your connection card, there's a next step. It says, I will seek relationships with people who are going where I want to go. If you'll make that commitment and you will do it, your life will go up. You'll get better. You'll get better. Okay, on the screen again, let's say it. It's coming up. You ready? When I know who I want to be, I will know who to seek. I know who to seek. You've got to seek them. Number two, as you write this down, how to reinforce uh, your good habits or what change you want to make is seek the right peer pressure. Seek the right peer pressure. You know, we warn people all the time, especially teenagers, about peer pressure. But you, I'm, I'm telling you, you put yourself into a group that's going where you want to go. Get around a group of people that are already going the direction you want to go, and it makes it easy. You can just go with the flow at that point. 
That, if you seek the right peer pressure, you want to go with the flow, right? But most of us seek the wrong peer pressure and try to go against the grain. It doesn't work. They end up taking us with them. Seek the right peer pressure is what I would say to you. Here's a, here's a, um, a picture I want to show you. It's coming up on the screen of two boxes with lines in them. This is done all over college campuses. It's, the, it's what's called the, um, the um, conforming experience, experiment, conforming experiment. What they will do is they will bring students into the room that, have, uh, that are basically paid to give an answer. They're actors. And then they will bring like two or three students into the room and they will say, tell them, say, okay, look at these two boxes. There's one box that's only got one line in it. And there's another box that's got three lines in it. So which line is the same as the one that only has the one line? So is it A, B, or C? A, B, or C? And so the answer is pretty obvious right now, right? What do you think that is? C, right? C is the right answer. But because of those uh, paid people in that room, every one of them starts saying, well, it's B. It's B. And, and they, would, they would just say, hey, it's B. Everybody would say B. Then they would ask those, those new students, the, the two or three that were sitting in that room, lastly, and even though they could see plainly that it was C, they knew it was C, they would say, it's B. It's B. We allow the group to determine our behavior. We, we allow that. It's just who we are as, as people, so we have to be very, very careful. So I read this, uh, is this that behaviors that are normally unattractive become very attractive when they help us fit in. Would you agree with that? We would, in other words, you will do things, I will do things when we're the crowd of people just to fit in. Every one of us will. It doesn't matter who you are. You say, well, not me. Oh, not me, Pastor Jeff. I'm a man's man. You know, I'm that woman that will stand. Uh-uh, not me. Well, let me ask you something. Have you ever read an Amazon review? What about a review for a movie? What about, you know, TripAdvisor? Have you ever read a review? Because when you're reading a review, that's exactly what you're saying. I want to see what the crowd's doing so I'll know what to do. Do you know now that people go and read reviews about churches before they come? I want to know what the crowd's doing before I go do that. And so we're all influenced by people like that. And so I just want to challenge you. Look what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 5.11, this warning that we're given. He says, you must not associate with those who call themselves believers in who? Okay, you're not going to associate with them if they do these things. Look what he says. But who, the sexual sins, or greedy, or worship idols, or abuse others with words, or get drunk, or cheat people, do not even eat with people like that. Now notice what he said. He said people who call themselves Christians. The reason being is because when someone says, I'm a Christian, we sort of let our guard down a little bit around them, right? When the world, he didn't notice, he didn't give that warning about the world. He didn't say, he didn't say don't hang around them. No, no, no. It's okay that, you know, because you got to work, we got to work with them and go to school with people in the world that are different from us. And we know that. So we say, you know, we know we can't go but so far. But with a Christian, when someone says, I'm a Christian and they do all that stuff, he said, run from them. Because they're going to take you down a road that you don't want to go. And you let your guard down. I just want to give a pastoral moment here just a second. We have groups that I'm going to talk to you about just in a second here at SEC. See, we have the big group that you're meeting with right now. And this is very important. 
It did happen all through scripture about coming to church. It's very important. But in this group, we go, you know, hey, how are you? Goodbye. Hey, how are you? Goodbye. That's what we do in our groups. But in our smaller groups, you know, that we meet through the week, it's not like that. The reason that you want to sign up for a group is because you're seeking people who are trying to go the same direction as you. There's many of you in here that are struggling financially and you need to get your house in order. And so you need to go to one of our financial peace groups like many of us in this room have done. And the reason that we're doing better is we say at SEC, you can't do better or be better till you know better. And so that's how we found out better was going through financial peace. I would challenge you to do that. There's marital groups there. There's just hangout groups there. Shoot, I even saw a golfing group. I'm all in with that. Hallelujah. There's all kinds of groups to go. I want to challenge you to do that. But what I want to say this to you, say to you is this. In our groups, we ask our leaders never to allow alcohol to be served at any group. And here's why. Because we never know the one person who has been an alcoholic and they have been dry for a year, two years, or three years, or however how long, and then we never want them to come to an SEC event or group and somebody offer them a drink in peer pressure and them drink it and go right back to that old life that they had. Does that make sense to you? And so we never want to, so that's why I'm saying that we're very, very careful about these issues because of that. We want to make sure. Now look what the scripture says. In second, uh, Hebrews 10, 25, let's read what's underlined. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Let's don't give it up. As some of the habit of doing, instead let us encourage one another all the more since you see the day of the Lord's coming near. He's saying, listen, those groups are important. Why? Because you're around so many people all the time that are going the wrong direction, the direction you don't want to go. So you have to seek out godly people to get around. And I want to challenge you. Make church a priority. You know, listen, Sunday, if you can't do Sunday, Monday night, make it a priority. And then make a group a priority. Two commitments a week. I'm going to give the Lord the first day, Sunday if you all possible, or either Monday if you can't. And I'm going to give him one other time as well. In order that you might draw strength, you can seek these people out. That's what I encourage you to do. So there's a list of groups inside of your program now that you can actually look at. And you can sign up today and become a part of that. And you just do it by simply on the back of your connection card. There's a box that you can just write that group number in. And they will sign you up. So remember that. Okay, let's say our, our statement again. This is one of the most important statements that you're ever going to hear in your life. So let's say it again. Here we go. Let's say it. When I know who I want to be, I will know who to seek. So what area of your life do you want to go up in? You're going to know who to seek. Who, right now, you start thinking about that. Where do I want to get better? And you cannot get better until you know better. You can't do better, be better, you know better. So you have to find somebody that you can attach to to help you get better. Let go of your pride and let go of your insecurities thinking, oh, they're better than me. Yes, they're better than you. That's why you need to get around them. Just go to them and say, I know you're better than me, so I want to learn from you. That's it. That's where you get rid of insecurity right there. Say, hey, listen, I, you're much better at this than me, so I want to learn from you, and it's amazing how it will change you. The third thing I'd like to share with you today on how to reinforce the changes that I want to make and that you want to make is this. 
Seek Jesus. Seek Jesus. We are drawn to people of power. Would you agree with that? Come on now, listen, I know I don't have a bunch of angels here. That's why all the tabloids right there, right? Don't we, I mean, when you're walking by, you, you see all those tabloids and all these people that are, that are the rich and famous or whatever. You know, we just, we are drawn to people of power. And there's not a lot, I mean, there's, you know, that's okay because we want to get better. We sort of somehow envision our life would be better if we had their life, which let me tell you something, the tabloids there, it's not better. But we're drawn to that from the time we were children, right? I mean, like, Remember watching the superheroes? Some of you pinned on a towel on your shoulders and you tried to be Superman flying through the yard, right? Because we're drawn to power. Some of you ladies, you know, you put on your bathing suit and you put your bracelets on and you were Wonder Woman. All right. Thank you for getting that. <laughs> A couple weeks ago, Rhonda and I took uh, Chesney and Danny's little boy, Drew, to a fun house. It's called Woody's, I think it's Jump House or something, but they have all these blow-ups. And here's a picture of, of he and I on one of those blow-ups. Yeah, oh, uh, listen, wait till you hear the story before you say, oh. Uh. <laughs> but uh, as we're there, we walk in, first of all, and we pay the people. And they said, the lady says to me, listen... Uh, it's okay for dads and granddads to play with the children. Uh, like, heck no, you didn't, lady. I don't know what you saw, but uh-uh. So I bravely take my shoes off, and uh, before I know it, Drew calls me PJ. He says, PJ, let's race. I'm like, okay, these people call me grandpa. I'm going to show them I'm not grandpa. And so you, you take all, and there is these obstacle courses. You go through a little obstacle course, and then you climb up what's equivalent to a rock climbing wall. It's straight up, and then you go up, and then you're able to come down the slide. And before we started, Drew said, he said, okay, PJ, we're going to race. And about that time, he took his finger and poked it right in his side and said, Sonic power, and took off like a bat out of Hades. <laughs> went through all these obstacles and went up that wall like a squirrel out of a cage. And I'm trying to keep up and I'm trying to climb up. And here he is, he's beating me, he's going over the slide. And I go up to the top of the slide, I'm climbing, and I, I go to get on the slide. And when I do, my foot catches something, I don't know what, but it pulled it back and it hurt. And it pulled it back, so I snatched my foot over. When I did, I went over on my side. And then when I went down the slide, when you're heavier, you go faster. I went down the slide on my side like this trying to get my balance, and then and when I got to the bottom, I did not stop. I skidded out into the middle of the floor. <laughs> and then the little rascal comes up to me. You know, everybody's laughing. They're going, <laughs> there's Grandpa on the floor. <laughs> Shut up. And then he comes over to me and says, PJ, you're supposed to stop right up there. <laughs> like I didn't know that. I bear the mark of that mistake. 
what I'm trying to tell you, even when we're children, we, we imitate those we envy or those we admire. What I want to tell you is that the Scripture says that we're to imitate God. Look what the Bible says. Ephesians 5 and 1. Would you read what's underlined with me? Let's read it. Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children. See, when you realize that Jesus has power, he is the most powerful. Some of you are stuck because your vision of Jesus is he's still in a manger. And your vision of Jesus is he's this meek, mild person that that would never harm a flea or could do anything. He's just so weak, you know. He turns his cheek. You slap him one time, he just turns the other one. He doesn't fight back. He's weak. He's the one, he, you know, he just died on the cross. You have a weak Jesus. And if you have a weak Jesus, you're never going to call out to a weak Jesus. I want to give you his credentials. You've got to look at his credentials. This Jesus that I pray to, and that you can pray to is so powerful. One day he was with, his, with some guys on a boat. And Jesus decided that he was going to go down to the bottom of the boat. He's going to take him a nap. And the Bible says a storm come up on the Sea of Galilee. And it was a raging hurricane forced winds. And the waves were really high. It was so high that it scared these fishermen who were experienced with storm to death. And they were thought they were going to die. They went down and woke him up and said, hey, man, we're going to die. You better get ready to get out of here. We're going to die. And, he, and this, this Jesus stepped up out of the bottom of the boat. He goes up to the front of him, and he just, he just stretches his hand out and says, peace, be still. And the waves died down, and the winds quit blowing. I'm telling you, he's a powerful Jesus. Amen. Oh, this Jesus, this Jesus I'm talking about, he's not afraid of demons. He got off, one day he got off a boat and, and he got onto a piece of, uh, walked onto the land. And when he, when he did, there was a, a, a demon-possessed man that everybody was afraid of. They had tried to chain him up. The Bible says he lived in a graveyard because nobody could put up with him. And as soon as he saw Jesus, he said, oh, Jesus, don't, don't, don't torment me before my time. And, he, and Jesus looked at him and said, demons come out. And that man that was so distraught and so bad, all of a sudden the Bible said he was clothed and in his right mind he come there insane, but he left and he went home sane because he's a powerful Jesus. Amen? He's not a weak Jesus. You know that Jesus has the power over disease. He was walking through a community one day and a man who had, had a skin disease called leprosy, his, his skin was literally coming off of his bone rotting. He had a sign on him that said, I'm unclean. And when people got around him, he'd begin shouting, unclean, unclean, unclean. But Jesus walked right up to the unclean man and he put his hand on him and said, be healed. And immediately his skin grew right back as a, ba as a baby skin grows on a baby. Amen. He was clean and pure. He has power of disease. Oh, 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 oh. I'm not done yet. I want to talk about his credentials. 
You see, Jesus doesn't do good at funerals. He, he's just not good at funerals. He was walking one day to a community, and when he was walking to a community, all of a sudden there was a funeral procession going by. It was a, a lady who had lost her only son. She was a widow and had lost her only son, and somebody told Jesus, and he couldn't stand it. He walked right up to the casket. They lowered the casket. Jesus raised the lid on the body, and he reached over and, and touched the young man. And when he did, that dead body come alive, and that young man got up and took his mother and went home. I'm talking about power. Power, power, power. Oh, oh, he did it again. There was a guy by the name of Lazarus that was there, one of Jesus' friends. And, and Jesus come, and, and when Jesus come into the community, they said, Lazarus is dead. And Jesus said, oh, no, my friend's dead. He said, yeah. And so Jesus went to visit his tomb. And when, when he went to the tomb, they, Jesus said, well, just roll the stone back. They said, no, 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 he's been dead four days, and his body stinketh. Don't you love the King James? Stinketh. That, that's more than stink. That stinketh. Because he has power. He said, hey, move that stone. They all looked at him like he was crazy, like some of you are thinking right now, he can't help me. That's what they thought. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible said all of a sudden they looked at that tomb and there was a mummy come walking out. They had him wrapped up in grave clothes and here he comes walking out and says, hey, Jesus, how you doing? <laughs> He's got power. He's got power. Wonder-working power. Power. It's a good thing he just said Lazarus or every grave would have emptied. When they tried to kill him, oh, it looked weak. See, he looked so weak. But you see, his weakness was actually meekness. And you know what meekness is? It's power under control. Is that he was on that cross, and, and there he said, you know what? I could call 12,000 angels right now to rescue me, but because I love you so much, I'm going to take this for you. And then they buried him in a tomb, and they said, he's done, he's done, he's done. All hell rejoiced. He's done, he's done. But we're about to celebrate in just a few months something that happened miraculously. It's called Easter. It's on that Sunday morning. Friday was ugly, but on Sunday, the stone was rolled away. And he got up and said, I got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. You don't have to be afraid. Amen? Amen. That's why the Bible says on your outline, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then look, Matthew 7 and 7, again, it's on your outline. It says, seek and you shall find. Ask and you shall receive. And knock and the door will be open. Listen to me. I'm just a man. I'm flesh and blood. I'm broken just like you. Rhonda and I, this week, we were sitting at a fast food restaurant Zaxby's. And we begin to talk about how we've had to seek Jesus. We went, we went down memory lane. We started talking about, we remember the times that our, our marriage that there, there was just on the rocks and we didn't know what to do. And so we just would seek Jesus. 
And how we rejoice in that day that because we're 32 years, we're still together, and God has healed and revealed to us what his will is. It's only through seeking. Not asking one time, but seeking. We started talking about the times with our children. How that they were going through some things that we didn't know what to do. How as parents we felt so empty. And all we needed to do was seek. And we talked about the times that we would just call out to God and things didn't change the way we thought they should, but he gave us the power to get through what we was going through. And this church, it's not always been like it is right now. We talked about the times where I didn't know if we was going to make it. And I would go home scared to death, sick, on the verge of a nervous breakdown. So much so, I shamingly admit I would crawl into her lap and say, I don't know and cry. What are we going to do? And we did what we only know to do. Is that we just seek. We would seek Jesus. She would pray, God, help Jeff. Give him what he needs. Because I can't help him. Lord, we trust you. We've given our lives to you. And we would just seek. What I'm trying to convey to you today is that every time we sought somehow, some way, we made it through what we were going through. It's not asking one time. It's that you keep seeking. Some of you sitting in this room, you've given up on the power, the most powerful I cannot promise you today that God's going to fix everything in your life immediately. I cannot promise. He may do that, but I can't promise that. But what I can promise you from what I know, from what I know is that he will get you through what you're going through. And that's the most powerful thing in the world because many times you've been written off by others, but because you've sought God's heard and you're still here. And you're here today one more time to seek again. Seek that you might find. Knock. Keep knocking because the door is going to be open. Amen, everybody. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.